let me put it to you this way, Sean. I'd rather get punched square in the face by you than get uh, slapped by Mike Tyson. It's how the it's how the public sees him. It's how the public sees the, the, the and that's all Michigan cares about. It's the perception. Is it part of the whole like listen, we've gone through a lot of turmoil here at Michigan in the last year or so. Do we want to fire a basketball coach in you know one more thing? I would bet you anything, Coach Howard will will not do this again. That'd be my guess. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we have a, uh, it's not that we don't have serious topics every week, but uh, we had a bit of news come out of, well, Madison, Wisconsin, right? On Sunday when Michigan played Wisconsin, lost to Wisconsin, and um, and then we watched, uh, I don't know about you, I don't know if you were watching live, I was, but just kind of watching in shock as the handshake line turned into a um, MLA and, uh, fracas, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jawan Howard, the coach of Michigan, ended up taking a swing at uh, Joe Krabenhoff, the assistant coach with Wisconsin. And the Big, Ten, the Big Ten took, what, a day, day and a half maybe to figure out what to do about it and handed out suspensions for Howard in five games uh, for three players, including Musa Diabate, a forward, and Terrence Williams, also a forward for Michigan at a game each, and then guard uh, Jacoby uh, Neath. For Wisconsin, um, Greg Gard, the Wisconsin coach, was fined. Carlos, uh, ten thousand dollars. Juwan Howard was fined forty thousand dollars. So that's what the Big Ten decided uh, in conjunction with Michigan and Wisconsin. And um, there is a lot to go through here and to talk about. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts, I guess, uh, first, just kind of off the top of your head. Yeah, it was shocking, um, really. And I think you know, Sean, when you wrote about it, you've written uh, you've written about it a, a few times now. Um, but I think in your initial column, and I think you reiterated it um, after after the suspensions were handed out, was it's not a first-time offense. Last year, he went after then-Maryland coach Mark Turgeon and, and said he would kill him, um, quote, right? Um, he expletive. Expletive, yeah. and, and he felt he was dissing the Michigan players. So uh, to me, this is a kind of a thing where it's establishing a pattern that's really disturbing. And... If you want to buy into all the rah-rah, you know, Michigan man, Michigan mystique, we do things right, we don't tolerate this, student-athlete this, whatever, examples, I think you have to take this more seriously. I don't think five games is adequate. Um, and especially this happens. I mean, this is the the clip of the week. This is the news in, in American sports of the week. Everybody's talking about this. It sets the world on fire. I don't understand. And I know Michigan said it, it'll revisit uh, you know, the punishment after the five-game suspension for the regular season, heading into the Big Ten tournament and afterward. Um, so I think they're they're probably willing, buying themselves some time to think about what they want to do. But I just don't, I just don't understand how you take a swing, you know, pretty much unprovoked at another coach on national TV. Your players follow your example, and you think five games and forty k is is going to do it. Yeah, I well, I don't know about the money. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what the what what's a a, a reasonable amount of money to get fined in that situation, but I I I focus more on the games. I didn't think he should coach again this year, right? I think they should have said that right off the top um when they passed it down, maybe Michigan just just didn't have the stomach for it. I'm not sure. Um but they did leave the door open. They did say they were going to reconvene after the the end of the regular season. 
which is in a couple of weeks more or less, and then decide if he were going to coach in the Big Ten tournament. But uh, to me, that if, if you're being cynical, Carlos, you read that, you think, well, they're just going to take the political temperature and they're going to see if anybody's still talking about it. But so on the other hand, wouldn't you, if you're Michigan, do you really want Howard down in Indianapolis with the Midwest media there? Yep. Yep, exactly. Exactly. You don't you don't want him and God forbid he gets into the NCAA tournament. Do you want that? You know, and you, as you know, when they do the tournaments, they have the big press conference with the national media. This is all going to come up again. And you know what? Let's throw in questions about Harbaugh going to the NFL and Dr. Robert Anderson and Bo Schembechler while we're in there. You know, like there's so much going on with Michigan right now that's been black eye after black eye, you know, but but this thing with Howard, I mean, it is the white hot topic. You it's you're just better off i you know and, and you know what I, I if michigan if you want to say cynical whatever but them waiting a couple of weeks basically will really make it seem if they decide that he's not going to coach the rest you know in the big 10 tournament or the rest of the season it really seems like they've taken their time to wait carefully so it's not a bad move politically on their part to do that um so you know, maybe maybe they are taking the temperature. Maybe he will coach, but I, I think it'd be the smart, smart play to just say, you know, John, uh, let's let's just cool our heels and come back next year. You know, it's interesting because a, a lot of people I think think five games is reasonable. There's obviously a, a crowd of people. I have no idea what kind of percentage, um, and I don't want to even say anecdotally based on my inbox or comments or <laughs> just people you know. But and there, uh, you know, there are some folks out there I think that felt like he should been fired for sure. I think most people did not, and I think I think most people were relatively thought it was reasonably fair five games. I, I think it's a little surprising, though, that leaving the Big Ten tournament open. But um, before we before we, we we can talk about this some more in a minute. But can we just go through the the day or the the, the however many minutes that was in the, in the tape? Because there's there are a lot of different little details in there. And it's been parsed, and this film is this video has been these clips have been broken down. There are a lot of different angles. You know, there's several different angles, right? What did you say? Did you, what did you text me that it was like? No, I don't want to say that. I don't want. I don't want to. I do make light of that. But, uh, but uh, well, the way it was examined, the minute details. You know, I mean, it's it's been like you said, parsed and dissected, and right, and, and yeah, and that, and that matters. Open hand, closed hand. Does that well, really it, matter? I actually okay. Let's 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 just start. Let's start there. I, we're going to back up here in a bit and get and, and kind of blow by blow um, and talk about various parts. And I definitely want to talk about your. I want to get your thoughts on whether Greg Gard or Joe Kravenhoff deserved um, more punishment than they got. But let's just let's just get it off the top. Let's just let's just say that. Yeah, is open hand or fist a difference? Because I let me just tell you what I think. If that's a punch, an actual punch, I think he's gone that night. Why? Because I think in our society, we still make a distinction between a slap or an open-handed mush, I guess is the, the slang term for that, or or shove, whatever, slap, I mean, whatever combination, almost kind of grabbing uh, versus an all-out, full-swinged, close-fisted punch. And I think we make this distinction because of the consequences of those two things. The slap is generally not going to put you in a hospital a fist can not only put you in the hospital, it can kill you and has killed people, right? So I think just at its basic, basic uh, fundamental difference, it's it's biological and, and the reaction to that act of violence. Then we also, because of that, have ways we think about the, the difference between a slap and it's tied into 
a lot of things that maybe aren't comfortable, sexism, manhood, all that sort of thing, and then a fist and what that says. So there, there are cultural reasons we think about the differences, and then there are health and uh, physical reasons we think about the differences. I'm not saying it's fair or right, but I think we still make that distinction as a society. Um, I, I disagree with that. I don't, I think a strike is a strike legally, obviously that's physical assault. Um, either way. I mean, I, let me put it to you this way, Sean, I'd rather get punched square in the face by you than get, uh, slapped by Mike Tyson. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, so it, it depends on who's doing the slapping, you know, uh, Jawan Howard, six, nine former NBA player. Um, you know, pretty tough, big guy. I think guards a whole foot shorter than him. It looks like, um, I, you know, and, and Krabenhoft is a little taller, so so maybe I don't know he, he could have absorbed the the blow more, but it looked bad either way. And you had to, you really had to do the super slow mo to see is this a slap, is it a punch? You know, in real time, you know, you're watching in real time. I watched the replay pretty quickly on on Twitter after after it happened before all the slow mo and before all this. It looked like a strike, some kind of strike. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't care. I don't care who it is. You know, I mean. You know, I think I don't want to go down this road too much, but one of our columnists, one of our opinion writers, Brian Dickerson, talked about, you know, if this happens in normal workplace, whatever, if he come, you know, someone says, hey, Sean Windsor just hit me and no one's going to ask, was it an open hand slap or was it a closed fist? How, you know, a strike is a strike, you know, uh, with a hand. No, people, uh, I completely disagree with that. Of course, they would ask the difference. It's like if you touch somebody inappropriately, are you touching them on the shoulder, you're touching them somewhere else. It's all inappropriate, but there are degrees of this. There's nuance to this. And I'm with you. I watched it live and I was sh- it was shocking because of the speed and the swing. And I thought he'd punched him. That's what I thought when I was watching it live. I was I was watching the game because I was going to write about Michigan in relation to its NCAA chances. So that was I was assigned to that, right? So I was there already. And obviously the, the whole column changed. But but when I, I I sat I remember sitting kind of back. I was on the edge of my couch. Excuse me, I may have had my laptop and I remember when it happened, I kind of sat back and just thought, Oh my God. And then when I saw the replay and realized I, I thought he was done in that moment. But then when I saw the replay and saw it was an open hand, I thought, okay, he's got a chance to survive, and he and he did. And and if it had been a fist, there would either he would either knocked him out, or there would have been stitches and blood or a huge bruise. And the power of that, the visceral power of that image, just like what happened with Ray Rice. Ray Rice was in trouble when word got out what he'd done, but he wasn't in the kind of trouble that he got into until the video leaked. And it's it's again, it's a visceral thing. If Krabenhoff, they had blood coming down his cheek, or if he dropped to the ground, that is it for Howard. That's completely it. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't survive that night. Yeah, and to me, that's the difference. You know, the other thing too is you know in self defense classes they talk a lot about, uh, and they tell this to women specifically, but they talk a lot about if you're going to make a strike, you do it with an open an open hand to the side of somebody's head to their ear you can puncture somebody's eardrum by doing that that kind of force an a closed fist punch um, you can easily hurt yourself. You can break a finger. You can hurt your wrist. Um, in fact, if you're fighting with somebody, if you've ever taken any kind of you know martial arts training, whatever they teach you, you'd actually don't punch straight ahead. You punch with the with the bottom of your of your fist. You know, almost your palm. 
it absorbs the blow better. Um, and definitely a side strike with a hand is a def- it's more of a defensive move rather than an offensive move. Um, but it's pretty effective. You see it in MMA fighting every once in a while too. They're wearing gloves, so it's a little bit different. But um, you're right, Sean. The visuals of it, if there's blood, and you know who knows if Krabenhoff says, "Hey, man, guess what? I have a concussion. Uh, I'm suffering so- for some- from some you know post you know traumatic issues or whatever, or my ear, my hearing's not right. Who knows that that can still happen? Who knows? That's we don't quite know the extent of of what the repercussions are of that strike. So um, it's it's I, I agree with you that the visuals do matter, um, but to me, you know, a strike is a strike. The way the way I always look at these things is imagine, imagine Krabenhoft is your brother, right? We and and would you care if did you care if Jawan Howard had a closed hand or if you know a, he struck him, he attacked him, you know? And and here's the other thing that saved Jawan Howard. Of course by the way. I would. Of course I would care because it it's. To, the damage is there's an enormous difference in the damage. Absolutely, I would care. It's like the difference between getting stabbed in the shoulder and shot. You know, it's just well. Of course, I would care. A punch. I mean, just I mean, a punch is not always the same. You don't land a punch square all the time. There can be a glancing no, thrown. But, you know, but the wrong punch is deadly. Yeah, right? yeah. But he's not a professional fighter. I mean, he does not like squaring up on him. You know, I mean, he it was a quick throw. Um, it could have easily, if he'd thrown a punch, he could have missed. He could have just hit the, his cheek or his ear, whatever. Um, he connected with him in some way. But here's the other thing, too, right? The Wisconsin students, they didn't turn it into malice in the palace. They didn't rush the floor. If that had happened, and you're talking about optics and how things look and how they play, that would have escalated this to something entirely different. The fact that they were restrained somehow and didn't go on the floor and attack the Michigan players or Joan Howard or the other coaches, you know, that it, it remained a, a, a team melee, not, you know, coach, uh, players or I'm sorry, students getting involved. And so you have to give Wisconsin students that are at the, at the arena, some credit for, for uh, showing some restraint at least. You know that that for sure would have um, would have changed things. But let's stay on this top of topic of optics and what we could see and what we couldn't as we kind of go through this, and we can just we can just start at the beginning. Um, well, first of all, let me let me give you your opinion. You think he should have been fired? Um, I don't think so. I think that I, it, 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 the, the thing I the thing I forgive him a little bit for is that is that it wasn't. You know, Greg Gard wasn't in, innocent in this whole thing either. Wisconsin wasn't interested. And he, at the bottom of it, Greg Gard started it in a way because he's the one who puts his hand on his elbow, whatever it was. And, and, and you know, Howard was loaded for bear two, waiting at the back of the line. You normally start at the front of the line with the coaches. So they were both into it. But, but Gard kind of pushed the issue. Um, so I wouldn't say, you know, it wasn't like he just leapt out of his seat and started throwing haymakers and attacking people. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have had a huge problem with him being fired, but I think that you know, like I said, the second incident, um, I, I I could see where. Listen, if he's contrite, bring him back another year, you know, and uh, I doubt he's going to do something like this again. It shouldn't have happened this time after last year's incident with Maryland, but um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he should have been fired? No, I don't. Although I do think it was probably a fireable offense, and there's a difference, though, right? Sometimes we do things that are that you know you could lose your job over, but for whatever reason, 
maybe the mitigating circumstances, just the larger context or the nature of the human nature, the, the, the bosses, the people involved, your history. Um, I, you know, I want to talk about why I, uh, I think Howard survives this so far uh, in a minute. But um, and I also want to talk about oh shoot I, I i also want to talk about just this this idea of of what guard did and and then get into Krabenhoff because the optics of that too right i think i think a little bit of what he did was hidden and you really had to go through the film you know what i mean like an editor of a, of a movie to kind of piece together because he wasn't innocent in this either but let's just start at the, let's just start at the beginning real quick so and I, i'm sure most people are familiar with this by now there's what 15 seconds left. The last, if you go back to the last couple of minutes of the game, or minute of the game, whatever, Wisconsin's got their backups in. They're not used to handling the kind of pressure that Wisconsin, that Michigan was throwing at them. They were playing in a man-to-man full court pressure. Howard insisted after the game it wasn't a press, and maybe technically that's true because you, if if everybody's in the front court and one guy's in the back court, all four defenders are still in the front court, and you're just inbound. You know, you're guarding the whoever the inbounder is or whatever. So maybe technically, but it, but it acted like it looked like a press and Wisconsin was having trouble getting the ball over. So, so guard didn't want that. He didn't want the turnover and he called a timeout to reset the 10 second clock, the 10 seconds you get to get the ball over half court. And I'm not sure Jawan Howard Carlos knew, knew that rule or knew, maybe he knows the rule, but, but knew that, uh, that that's what he's trying to do because I think it was down to four seconds and he was worried about the turnover in any case. So he calls a timeout. He probably didn't, a guard probably didn't like that Howard was having his guys, a couple of whom were starters out there still, pressing. Although that's Howard's right. And it's guard's right to call the timeout to reset it. Howard doesn't like that. The game resumes. They get the ball over half court and the game ends. Howard then takes a long loop because he did, he's pissed, right? And maybe in that moment he wants to at least take a couple of breaths before he gets in the handshake line. So that's the setup. All right, and then and then what happens? Yeah, and then they meet at the uh, in the handshake line, and right away they're they're ready to go. I mean, they're ready to talk, and guards the first one, and putting a finger in his face, and then I think he touches his elbow, and and Jawan tells him, "Don't bleeping touch me!" Right, and uh, so there's you know they're they're ready to go, and and I I think you know the way I looked at it, and and it's like listen, you know, there's Michigan's going to lose this game, and if Howard wants to play until the echo of the whistle. You know, hey man, then then Wisconsin has the right to not lose this game and try to still. Okay, you're playing, we're playing. You know, we're putting in our reserves. You have Absolutely. some of your starters. I have. No, I don't understand that. To me, I don't understand really what Juwan was angry about. If he's still trying to win this game, if you want to play that way, that is completely your right. But you're also forcing the hand of the other team. Um, and whether he didn't know the rule or understand what guard was trying to do, um, if he felt it was disrespectful, I don't, I can't understand what the, def- his defense is for what he was upset about that he was, you know, prolonging the, the inevitable. And I, I don't get it. Um, w- did you understand what his explanation was for why he was upset in the first place? Well, he didn't really say he just, thought, he, he didn't think it was, I mean, he, yeah, he said he was upset at the timeout. It's just this idea that the game's over basically. They're up by fourteen or fifteen or whatever it was. But you're pressing, and yeah, right. And he didn't think, in his mind, I guess he didn't think he was pressing. He was just playing five man pressure, which is technically different. So in his mind, guard calls a timeout for Wisconsin and elongates a game instead of just dribbling out the clock. Although guard called the timeout to get it over so they could dribble out the clock. 
So there's that misunderstanding. So he's worked up. He thinks it's disrespectful. And then he gets in the line, and when he sees guard, he doesn't look at him at first, right? He's looking straight ahead, but he does say, I'll remember that, right? And he might have another word in there too, and he says, I'll remember that. If guard at that point, who could clearly tell he was upset, just lets him go and then says and texts him later that night or calls him or whatever, gets a message to him, right? If he just lets him go, then we're not having this conversation. I mean, there are a lot of points like this throughout where it could have just ended, right? But he didn't he didn't let him go and he didn't touch him. I mean he did touch him, but he he stuck his left hand into the crease of elbow of Howard's right arm to stop his momentum and he got in front of him and wanted to explain what he'd done, but he didn't do it in oh man, hey, I'm sorry. You could see that was not his body language. Right? He was animated. He was probably frustrated that Howard was thinking that, but he still wanted to explain it. I'm not saying he was heated when he was doing it, but you can go look at the tape. He's up in Howard a little bit. He's kind of up in it. When you stop him, you're close enough to stop him. He's up in him and he's looking up. And from Howard's perspective, right, he just wants to keep moving. And that's when he uh, yells out, don't, you know, expletive touch me. And at that point, Howard grabs a fist of guard's shirt and sticks his finger in his face. And then they get separated. And you're thinking, okay, you're okay for now, right? But if guard hadn't done that, and I think that's why he got fined ten grand for stopping him right there and violating the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. To me, uh, I don't necessarily want to say this is a black or white thing, although I think we have to be cognizant of that and aware of that, especially from Howard's perspective. This idea of "Hey, I'm angry. I'm just trying to say I'll remember that and say and keep moving." But somebody, but guard felt like his explanation, Carlos was so important. It didn't matter if Howard's mad. He was going to stop him and make him listen. And I don't think that's fair. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't. I, I think, you know, it's not assault, but it's definitely it's definitely not just a friendly, you know, you know what I mean? He felt like what he had to say was more important than where Howard was. And, and, and by, you know, by golly, he was going to do it. Well, the, two things you have to remember about that is Howard starts it with, I'll remember that. So it's already, here's my challenge. And by the way, they're in Wisconsin. They're in Madison on their home court. And you're letting the opposing coach who, I mean, Howard was in the wrong as far as the game itself. Not letting Wisconsin just dribble it across half court and just dribble it out. And the game's over, handshakes, you're done. You know, he's still playing somehow and and pressing, even though it's not the, the unpressed press, whatever. Um, so Howard's doing weird things and then he comes after and guard says, I want to, I want to explain like, what the hell were you doing? Or this, what are you doing here? You know, why are you calling this timeout? Why are you pressing whatever, you know? And the first thing is Juwan says, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to remember that. And well, no, no, no. Hey man, the reason I'm doing, he's trying to explain his point of view. He was guard was completely wrong to touch him or try to stop him. You want to say what you want to say, but Howard walks away from you. You let him walk away from you. So what? But we do have to remember being in sports, you know, having been around that culture and when you're on your own home court, there's a different attitude about protecting your turf, you know, and especially it's a conference game and all that stuff. Um, so I can kind of understand guards perspective in that regard. Um, you're not walking away from me. I got to tell you something. You're on our in our gym. You know, um, he was completely wrong to do it. Uh, and, you know, but I think I think basically when when the when the justice was meted out by the Big Ten, you know, 
money kind of talks and there's no suspension for guard and it's a, a measly 10k they're basically siding with guard in in wisconsin saying yeah it was michigan was more at fault here in howard yeah yeah that's a good look that's a good place to stop because i, I want to talk more about that and get back into crabbing off and the players and and just howard in, in general a little bit more globally but um we need to take a quick break and we will be right back my name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we're just talking about the the exchange, whatever you want to call it, with with Coach uh, with uh, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard and, and Juwan, Michigan coach Juwan Howard, and how that unfolded, and that Gard was obviously in the wrong. He was fined, right? I, before we move to the next phase of this, do you think guard should have been punished more severely? Because I think he should have gotten a game just to send a message that, um, you know, you, you need to be aware enough when somebody's that upset, you let them go. Sometimes you just got to let people go. Your opinion doesn't matter that much in that moment. You can find a different way to get your opinion uh, across uh, when things are a little bit more settled, right? He, he wasn't reading the room or the circumstance or, frankly, the history of our society in a, in, in a way. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you remind me all the time, my opinion doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, in that moment, it's hard to expect that of a, of somebody to read the history of, you know, racial relations in the United States when you're, you know, dealing with Jawan Howard. But yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I expected, I expected guard to get about a game, um, somewhere around there in a, you know, 50 K or something. Uh, and I, I just my just my guess was like Jawan was going to get like you know Howard's going to get like 100k and and probably you know maybe through the Big Ten tournament or something um, or through the season so they both kind of got off light I guess in, in some ways the way yeah. I, initially yeah but Gard yeah they should have given him a, a game um, you know he was in the wrong for sure and it takes two to to make this happen so um, yeah I think I think he should have gotten a game for sure yeah because if he keeps walking again this is not to a to um, excuse what Howard did, you know, 15 seconds later at all. It's just to point out that if guard lets him keep walking, then uh, we, we probably aren't having this conversation at all today. It's like, oh, yeah, God, do you see Howard got got a little upset with the coach the other day for calling a timeout, and that'd be it, right? So, but... Right, and if he, if he had, if, I think if guard had just, if he hadn't touched him, 
if he had just been yelling at him, and it, and it probably it might have ended up the same either way. If guards doesn't touch his elbow, the crease of his elbow, and they just start yelling at each other, and he's pointing his finger at Juwan Howard's face and all that, um, there's probably still some sanction from the from the Big Ten. I don't know if that would necessarily be worth you know a game but like i said earlier in the previous segment you know the fact that it didn't turn into the malice of the palace with the student storming the the floor and going after the that would have been so so terrible and then it would have been well you guys incited this both of you just by arguing even if they didn't touch each other even if there was no you know blow thrown or whatever um and that's where i think that's the big lesson out of this is that all coaches and and basketball coaches are just kind of really sometimes super hot under the collar it's such a thing for them emotional but but that's the big lesson i hope that everybody learns no matter what level you're in is don't forget the malice of the palace is only so far away you know and the the pistons with jeremy grant and with lebron that whole thing you know i mean that 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 it wasn't jeremy grant it was isaiah stewart right isaiah stewart i'm sorry i'm sorry isaiah stewart and um, and I remember talking when, when when Little Caesars Arena first opened, and I talked to some season ticket holders. I remember they were upset that you know at the Palace we could we could just walk around. Now they have all the security, and you can't get to the floor certain ways. It's really so much different. I said, do you remember Mouse of the Palace? That's why they don't want you just have free reign to get onto the court or for the players to get up into the stand so easily. You know we have to learn from those lessons. Whether you're college, whether you're NBA, whatever it is. You know, these coaches are the ones who set the tones and even the players sometimes, you know, gets away from them. And I think when you wrote that column explaining that they have to set an example at the college level, that's that's way truer in college than the NBA. You know, and that was that's such an important thing because it could have gotten a lot worse. Um, It sure could have. So so they both deserved at least a game. I think, you know, I don't know what what what'll happen with guard no, the, but. the big the big 10 said they that guard violated the sportsmanship policy so you know why not take it but yeah anyway sorry to interrupt carl's but yeah they, they, they said that no absolutely statement. yeah and, and 10 k's nothing it's just you know it's what 10 minutes at his next basketball camp that he makes that much money yeah no for sure so so i i yeah i thought the big 10 got that wrong um I felt like Michigan probably should have added uh, just the rest of the season, whatever it is, whether it's a game or two at the Big Ten tournament. And we don't know if they're going to get in the NCAA tournament or not, but, you know, they could. They could get on a, a, you know, everybody but us, everybody against us roll here in the next the next couple of weeks and get in. But um, so, okay, so that happens. 15 seconds later, uh, more or less, maybe 12 seconds later, whatever it is, I can't believe we are even talking about this <laughs> in terms of seconds. But a gathering is there with the assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff and several players from both sides and other assistant trainers, coaches, whatever, and folks are jawing, and it's not quite a malay at that point, but it is getting a slightly physical, and Krabenhoff at one point, and this is where we're talking about optics early in the camera, sort of pushes, I don't know if you want to call it a shove-shove, uh, Terrence Williams the second uh, forward for Michigan, Kind of, he touches him for sure, and kind of moves him out of the way. So is Krabenhoff trying to de-escalate at that point? I don't know if he was. Maybe he was initially, but it didn't look like it. And that at, at that point, Howard was just a few feet from that circular kind of gathering, and he saw that. He sees that right, and that's there's a little jostling going in, and that's when he takes the swing. That is not excuse the swing. But I have been baffled why Krabenhoff did not at least get a fine and a game for touching a Michigan player. What do you think? I, you know, I haven't I haven't dissected the, the film at that level. Um, 
but I, it, it seems like the the Big Ten really couldn't determine intent, you know, whether he's just trying to separate all players and he's not like, oh, you're wearing a, a blue jersey, not a white jersey, you know, like it's it's crazy at that time when it's happening. Um, so I don't know if you can really say that he was going after a Michigan player like, oh, there's Terrence Williams the second. I'm going to push him out of the way. He, he seemed like he was in the middle of it. Um you know, so so maybe I don't know. I I didn't look at the film that much, but I think the Big Ten basically decided it like, you know, hey man, if there's an injured party here, it's it's you know Krabenhoff, isn't it? Yeah, no, he's the one that took it, and I wrote that on my column uh, for Tuesday that 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 was my best guess, right? That they couldn't figure out intent, and it, but you know, but it doesn't look good. And there've been a lot of fr- frustrated folks with that. So anyway, so he takes the swing, that then leads to all the other swings. Once Howard takes that swing, Carl's that's it, right? And then it gets really ugly, fortunately for not very long. It did, right? Musa Diabate took a couple of swings. Terrence Williams took a swing, but after Neath took a swing at him, Neath's swing is much harder to see. Uh, some folks call it, described as a sucker punch. I don't know, but it, so, so what do you think? Let's, let's stay there with the players for a second. It was one game enough for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have a problem with one game, you know. I mean, and I think that it all goes back to it all goes back to especially Juwan Howard, you know. What what do you normally see? And this is where your point about Krabenhoff is like, was he helping or hurting? Um, but with Juwan Howard, I mean, what do you normally see whenever there's a, a an, art, an altercation, you know? Is the coaches are the ones who are the voices of reason. The voice, the coaches are the one rushing out there, pushing their own kids back, their own players back. You know, the sideline, everybody calm down at, at almost any level of, of sports. They're always trying to be the, you know, the uh, the calm, the the influence of you know peace and and reason. And instead, you have the coach leading the charge. And I I don't remember exactly. I mean, were there comments made after the game by the Michigan players? Whether it was. Uh, Diabate or Williams, it was something I thought I thought I saw some comments, but I'm not sure if that was a response to, you know, sticking together as a family or something. Yeah, that was Hunter Dickinson. The Hunter Dickinson talked about he's like, we're a family. We're going to, you know, stay as a family, protect each other as a family, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's the the bunker, the bunker mentality. And that's understandable. I mean, anybody who's played in sports and you've ever been into a, you know, had a problem with a team and it's been a little bit physical. There is that. Yeah. You, you, we're in the same foxhole kind of thing and we're, we're, we're defending against a common opponent and enemy and this and that. So it tends to happen. And that's why it's so important for coaches to, 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 you know, be the peacemakers and and the voice of reason and calm everybody down and get them back to their sideline and, you know, make sure these things don't get out of hand. But, you know, it's like, this is when, you know, when your coach is throwing, throwing fists or throwing hands, you know, well, guess what we're going to do? Like, it's go time, you know? I mean, you're going to, of course, you're going to follow that, that uh, example. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's really too bad that, um, that this had to happen. Um, but I think the, I think like your initial question, you know, a game is, a game is probably enough to teach these kids. And, a, you know, a game in their careers means a lot more than five games probably in Jawan Howard's career. Well, at this point, yeah, I, I think it's enough in the circumstances. The Big Ten, I think, was trying to say, send us a message, right? And send the college sports, what well, the, the teams that play in the Big Ten, but but everyone too that follows and loves college sports. That the, the coach, like to your point, the coaches set the tone. It doesn't mean the, the players aren't responsible for their actions. They obviously are. And I would argue, and I wrote about this a little bit in, in the Tuesday's column, that if Diabate 
had taken a swing in the handshake line, just a guy he was shaking hands with, just unpro- you know, unprovoked, or maybe they're trash talking earlier in the game and he was carrying a grudge into the handshake line and just hold off and swung. He probably wouldn't play the rest of the year, right? So the so the context does matter. It would be a lot more than one game. But because he took his swings in the middle of a melee that was at that point started, not maybe it started, but it did that one instigated by Howard Swing. The Big Ten took that into account. The same with Williams, the same, the same with Meath. And, be, you know, if they're 30, if that's the NBA and Dwayne Casey takes a swing and Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant both take swings, um, they're not going to get the same benefit of the doubt, right? Because they're considered adults, fully grown adults. And Casey's going to get what he gets and Grant and Stewart or whatever would get, you know, I mean, we've seen precedent with that in the NBA. I mean, so, you know, Artest got the whole season. Some of his teammates got 30 games, 50 games. I mean, it, it's a very, very different thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, in the NBA, you know, obviously there's a the whole different thing with the pros and the brand you got to protect. And I mean, in the NBA, man, if you don't you don't head out, you don't hand out, you know, stiff punishments in the NBA. It's going to turn into the MMA. You know, I mean, there'd be fights every single night and it'd get out of hand. I mean, even hockey, you know, how much there used to be a lot more fighting in hockey and that's really toned down. Um, you know, the, these pro teams just under the pro leagues understand, you know, what they're about and who they have to market to and, and all that stuff. So it makes a lot more sense, you know, from that perspective And college is not quite the same, you know? Um, but yeah, for sure it would make a difference, you know, being, uh, being pros, being adults, being, you know, grown people um, who are paid a lot of money to uh, to have more reason. And, you know, coaches, Juwan Howard is a professional who makes a lot of money. He's a grown adult. You know, that's that's why, you know, of course, he'd, he'd suffer more serious consequences. And also, let's face it, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Musa Dibiate, you know, he's he's a freshman and, you know, he doesn't really matter that much to the Big Ten. It's not that big of a deal, you know, like, but Juwan Howard's one of their their big name, you know, star coaches. So, uh you know, you'd have to you have to make a little bit more of an example of him, but you have to probably give him a little bit more of the don't want to you have to give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt in some way, like you would any other high profile coach. Um, so, you know, it depends on who you are. I was surprised that it was just one game. I thought it'd be at least a couple. I didn't think it'd be as many as Howard got. But I do I do appreciate in some ways. Um, and, and look, we can get under lack of consistency with the NCAA. This one, the NCAA was a big 10, but we can get a lack of consistency with rulings at college sports levels all the time. And hypocrisy, et cetera. I mean, you know, uh, somebody pointed out the other day that Kofi Coburn, the center for Illinois, got suspended three games for selling paraphernalia when he thought he was going pro last summer, right? So it's just <laughs> in, a, in, in the context of this, and that does seem a little ridiculous. But I think by pinning it on Howard and do a much lesser degree, and I didn't think fairly, guard, um, I thought guard, as we said, should have gotten a, a stiffer penalty. Same with Kravenhoff. In any case, but by, by pinning it on Howard and saying you're responsible for the tone and the atmosphere, right, in that moment, and those kids, including Wisconsin's a player, are following your lead. So, you know, that's not the worst message to send, Carlos. No, no, it's totally appropriate. I mean, you you have to be you have to be aware. You know, you cannot be – and it, part of the, this is part of the thing, right? I mean, being a former NBA player, you know, uh, you know I mean, you've been – You've been you've been in in the battle a long time there, you know. And there's there's a difference. My career was short; it was about a year and a half. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, not you, but Mister Mister Howard, Jawan Howard, uh, obviously. Um, you know, I mean, that's there's there's a you got to stick up for yourself. We just saw it, obviously, with 
Stewart and LeBron, you know, going at it and you protect your turf and you got to stick up for yourself and all that stuff. Right. I mean, that's part of the mentality. And that's part of, I think, what makes probably Jawan Howard a good coach, too, is, you know, that that uh, that toughness, you know, that competitiveness. Um, you know, I think that's what probably resonates with some of his players. Um, and it's hard to 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 get that out of somebody. And he's a he's a first time head coach. Right. So, you know, he's he's learning his way a little bit, feeling his way. And like maybe this is, you know, I can't be as quite as emotional as I'd like to be. Um, and it's something you got to learn sometimes throughout your your coaching tenure. No, you, you do, Carlos. I, I'd like to talk about um, why I think Howard survived this and, and why he wasn't fired, why he just got the suspension. I'm talking about from Michigan's, obviously, from their perspective. And I want to ask you a little bit about just this whole idea. If he's at my coffee shop, if he's at my restaurant and does this, you know, my office, he's gone, right? There's a difference between you know regular workplace and sports. I, w- I want to ask you about that a little bit. And then maybe one other question. We, we also need to – I want to get your thoughts on uh, the, what happened out at the Oakland Hills uh, Country Club and the fire and, and what those plans are. Can we come back, take one more break, and uh, and kind of wrap up the Howard stuff and, and get into Oakland County or Oakland Hills? Yeah, good plan, Sean. Oh, okay. All right. We will be right back. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, you, you were talking about Jawan Howard and learning things and who he is and what kind of coach he is. And I, I think that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of thought out there about why he wasn't fired and, and what saved him. I, I think, you know, is it some kind of privilege? Is it fame, celebrity, whatever? I, I think that we're talking about his track record. Okay, so yes, he screamed at a coach last year, but he didn't touch him. So the first time he's, he's touched somebody. If he does it again, he's gone, right? I don't think this is any kind of three-strike policy. I understand the context of him losing his cool, but that was also in the context of college basketball coaches in general screaming at their own players, at their at, at the refs, and you know, not other opposing coaches generally. That's pretty rare. But so you put it in that. But I think what really saved Howard uh, in this instance is not just the fact that he's a good coach. It's the story of his life, right? It's the narrative that surrounds him. The smile, you know, he's got that 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 sort of sweet, innocent smile. I'm not saying he's an innocent human being or a naive human being, but he, you know, from the first time he got to Ann Arbor as a member of the Fab Five, and the story about being raised by his grandmother, and and all that, just how he was a little, you know, more mature than some of the other Fab Five members, whether that was fair or not. 
how he can't carry himself in the NBA. Just, oh, Jawan Howard, nice guy, you know. So I think that that, right, you know, if if this is Tom Izzo, is this a different conversation? Oh, you know, yeah. Because people have, right, because people have ideas about him already. People don't really think about that with Howard. I mean, the Turgeon, the Mark Turgeon with the Maryland coach he yelled at last year, that was people like, oh, okay, that's a little, right? You know, so I, I, I'm curious what you think because I, I think it's his life story in a way that's given him uh, this chance right now. Um, I don't see that, honestly. Um, I don't think Ward Manuel was sitting there. It's like, it's time to go, wait a minute. He has a nice smile and his grandmother raised him. No, you no, know no. What? It's, how the, it. it's how the public sees him. It's how the public sees the, 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 no. him. That's all Michigan cares about. It's the perception. No, nobody remembers that. I don't even remember that about the about the Fab Maybe four. not about the grandmother, but it, it's it's ingrained into your brain about how you think of Jawan. You Howard. think of him as being part of the Fab Five, this mythological entity that existed um, you don't think about Jalen Rose differently or Chris Weber differently. You, you think about Howard. You just lump them all together. They're just one monolith. They're not individuals. No, yeah, I think that they were they were really cool. You know, kids from the inner city who came together and they they set back college basketball. You know, on its side, on its head, and they were exciting and they ushered in a whole new kind of uh, you know swag style that hadn't been there before. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's it's just part of who they were. Um, in fact, I'll tell you one thing. This is how long it was ago. A few years ago, I was interviewing. I was doing a story on a Lions player, uh, Kerry Hyder, and I told the great Dave Burkett, who pretends to be a big basketball fan, "Hey, guess what? Uh, I talked to Ray Jackson about you know blah blah blah." He's like, "Okay, great." Like a day or two later, he's like, "I I didn't even know you meant Ray Jackson from the Fab Five. He had forgotten who Ray Jackson was, you know, because he wasn't one of the." The you know Jawan right, and Chris, but that's and, not Jawan Howard. I, I know what point? I'm saying is that you group them all together. That you think you know you don't think of Ray Jackson. You think Ray Jackson and Jimmy King and Jawan Howard and see what you know. It's the Fab Five as a as a like you said clumped all together as this great amazing entity. No 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 no. Come on man. And that you is been, not how people think. Yeah, and I and I and I think that I mean. You know, the, the, listen. The Juwan Howard, he is a he is a Michigan hero for sure. This is why you hire him. This is why you brought him here. This is you know all the stuff, right? And and he had a nice he's had a nice start to his tenure so far. Um, but I, you know, maybe some of that the Michigan man and all this stuff. I mean, we don't know behind the behind closed doors. I don't know how how does how does Ward Manuel really think about him? How does the administration feel about him? And don't forget, they just fired their president, Mark Schlissel, because, you know, he didn't get along with people. You know, he he rubbed a lot of people, almost everybody the wrong way at Michigan, the administration and the Board of Regents and the faculty and the students. So it depends on how many friends sometimes you have in, you know, the halls of power, right? So uh, maybe Juwan Howard has played the game politically well, and although he can be a little bit hot-headed, you know, when he's on the court and and fighting for his team and everything and standing up for his team, that's a different thing that's maybe seen differently by the administration as far as this is still a a, a good guy, a smart guy, a guy who we want in charge of our team. Um, and let me ask you this, is it is it part of the whole, like, listen, we've gone through a lot of turmoil here at Michigan in the last year or so. Do we want to fire a basketball coach in, you know, one more well, thing? No, no, they don't. But if they, felt, if they felt like they had to, they would have. But you know how much I've heard the last few days and people that were really disappointed in Howard. And it's always prefaced with, God, I love him. I love him. They like him as a coach, whatever, but they love him. I've heard a lot of people say that, men and women, right? I talk about how lovable he is, how 
the the color it, it that does matter. He cried when he got hired, right at the press conference. <laughs> it, it, no other Fab Five guy would have done that, right? I mean, he's he is not. He, yes, he's part of the Fab Five, but he has his own entity that, and he's got this quality about him that people like and gravitate towards. Not just his, clearly his players do, but the the public perception of him I think helped save him. If people thought he was a jerk, I think he's gone. I, I really yeah. do, you know? Yeah. I, I, I really do. I think Michigan takes the temperature. I mean, most big universities do. But Michigan, the image, right, it's just it's just so important. Yep. But let me let, let me ask you this. What about this notion of uh and this is this is tricky. And I because and I want to talk about separating out with work too, but what about this notion? I've Carlos, I've gotten uh, so many emails from people about okay, if Jawan Howard were white, he would have been fired. And that started yesterday. There were a couple of a couple of journalists on a, on, a, on a part of a political spectrum who wrote columns saying if Greg Gard had taken the swing at say Saudi Washington, the black assistant coach for Jawan Howard, that Greg Gard would have been fired that night. And I'm curious, and there's no way to know this, but and you if you want to just talk broadly about the fact that this is now part of the conversation all the time when something like this happens. Yeah, it, you know what, and it needs to be part of the conversation because that that is totally a valid question that that you know the black community should have is is you know what if the tables were turned you know what what you know or you know like how much how much uh, you know and I, and I understand you know definitely the the you know people who think that you know race saved Jawan Howard and it's reverse you know discrimination or whatever you know they're going to get into the whole thing you know um, that's a valid question. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you can play that game of, you know, what if, right? And like, like this is part of the whole conversation that we're having is there's a lot of subtext to all this and context to who you are, how the administration views you, where you are in your tenure. Um, you know, is, it an, is there anything else going on at the university that's been an embarrassment that may play a factor into this has there been have there been other incident incidents you know where you've been warned before um so i don't know if you can just take you know greg guard and say he, if he yelled at mark turgeon and if he took a swing an open palm swing at sadie washington at chrysler center how you know it's not a it's not a one-for-one you know uh you know analogy so it's it's too hard to say um but I think it's I, to me. I mean, I don't think it was that that Juwan Howard is black and that's what saved him. I don't think that really has much to do with it. I mean, to me, you look at it and and would I have been completely shocked if you were fired? I mean, was it a fireable offense like you said and all that? Yeah, po- possible. But to me, when you fire somebody, it's like I think it's a, a when it's a no doubt firing. It's how can this team go on with this coach? That's when you fire somebody. How can the Baltimore Ravens go on with Ray Rice as they're running? You know, how can you possibly talk about whatever it is, women's rights and all these different things and, uh, you know, whatever. If you're the Baltimore Ravens still have this, you know, all these different things. Like, how can you go on? You can still go on. Michigan basketball with Juwan Howard as the coach can still go on and, you know, compete and compete at a high level. And, you know, what the big thing that bothered me, and if you want to get into this later, but just his, I think his very, uh, you know, pro forma press release kind of apology, you know. Biggest mistake Michigan made in that moment to me. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, go no, ahead. no, no, go ahead. You say more about that. 
No, I was just going to say it was the big. And real quickly, just back on what we have no idea if if, if Guard had done this, if, if Howard or White, whatever. Those are all hypotheticals. And, what, I, you know, I would say real quickly, let's just say that were true. Let's say that did happen. And I have a question for you. Okay. So the scales of history have been weighted one way for 400 years. <laughs> and now they're swinging back a little bit another way to try to level some stuff out. And we still have a long way to go. Right, I mean, if if we're looking at the big picture, okay, why is that such a bad thing? I know there's, uh, and we don't want to go down this rabbit hole in terms of uh, how we're going to get all this done. But if you if you step back just for a second, wh- why get so angry saying, well, if he were white, he would be fired, when it's been so in our favor, and by me, and not uh, me, I should say mine, right? <laughs> and we can say Tad, he's white. It's been so in our favor for so long. Look, I know it's 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 not perfect. But anyway, that that's my thought. Okay, fine. What if that were true? Okay. Right? Yeah. We can live with that. You're going you're going through I'm mean, you're getting into reparations now and the OJ argument. I'm not, and- I'm not getting into reparations. I'm, I'm, I'm that's just nothing to do with reparations. I saw a video two weeks ago uh from a couple of cops in New Jersey that and you probably saw this video, a black kid and a white kid were taking swings at each other and hitting each other. The cops pull them apart, they put the white kid on the bench and they'd get on top of the black kid. And uh, right, of and course, it, yeah. You saw until that kind of, and I'm not saying that happens every second, all day long, everywhere. It doesn't. There's lots of things that aren't anywhere near that extreme that happen all the time for black folks that go into a store and to get made assumptions made. All this kind of stuff. Until we get beyond all that, and I know we're trying, but until we get beyond all that, this is this is part of who we are, and we got to and we got to figure our way through this. It's not easy. It's painful for a lot of people, but. Um, the idea that our reaction should be, well, what if Greg, Greg uh, Gar, excuse me, Guard were the one taking the swing? Would he lose his job? Okay. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. But that's like, well, how come Jim Caldwell hadn't gotten a second chance again when white coach after white coach after white coach have? I mean, we can go down that road a lot, right? And, I, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to get so off onto this, but I just the, – the, the column, the news of the suspension, the, the percentage of people now that are talking about – white black and what if he were white is really i mean it's just where we are in our society right it's dominated it's dominated uh at least the reaction to the column i wrote tuesday you know and i think i think this is this is the place where it's like it's it's uh, you know i don't know if the comment section is the right place for it but if, if it spurs some kind of discussion and discourse you know um legitimate you know, trying people trying to understand each other, trying to understand. Well, what do you mean by this? And and what do you mean if he was, you know, if he were white, he would have gotten fired. You know, I, I, there are questions that that need to be asked sometimes. I mean, my wife and I were talking about it the other day, and when it happened, and a friend of ours on Facebook, you know, posted something about it, and it spurred a discussion, you know, between ourselves about that. And uh, you know, people come from different places of understanding, so. Uh, you know, I think if we if we can engage in these discussions, you know, if, if if columnists or whoever out there write about these things with legitimate, you know, um, perspective and and you know uh, the goal for better understanding from whatever side you come from, you know, uh, that's good. That's something that, that that helps hopefully people. And I'm sure you've gotten this. And I, sometimes I'll write I'll write something that's a little controversial and. Sometimes you do, I'm sure, too. And, and you know, sometimes you'll get an, an email from a reader. Most of it is you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. But you'll get a few of them that say, hey, I'm, I never thought of it this way. You know, I think, you know, I don't necessarily agree with you, but but thanks for making me think of something a little bit differently. That's what we can hope for. So hopefully this leads to that. 
No, and I understand that the, the, the people want fairness, and you know, unfortunately, fairness is is um, not objective, right? It's a subjective thing in a lot of ways. And but I but I understand that, and, and mostly though, people want the same opportunities. That's that's probably the the real thing. Last thought on this, real quick, Carlos. I mean, it, let's just say that they happened and guard were the one taking the swing in that situation, and he did lose his job. It would be because the University of Wisconsin didn't think that that was the right look, right, in the larger context of the society, you know, and 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 that's you know again that's a much different conversation, not different, but it's just a longer conversation. Uh, I ju- I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because it's become such a part of this. Last, last quick thing on Howard Carlos. Should we start applying the same workplace rules everywhere we everywhere else to the sports world? Right. Um, no, I mean it's it's you it's it's apples and oranges, and even in industry to industry, you know, it's it's apples to oranges. I mean, you and I even, you know, um, compared to a lot of other jobs, you know, we have pretty high profile jobs. You know, people kind of know who we are, and we we operate in a very public forum. Um, if we do something that's, you know, whatever against a company policy or, or you know, affects the perception and, and our, and our company is different or, or, you know, the free press is there's a public trust there and, and ethics and all these other things. Right. Um, you know, the standard, our standard is different than if you work, you know, if you work behind the meat counter at a grocery store or something, you know, I mean, it depends on, on who your pro- if you're Mary Barra, you know your your profile is different. I mean, there's just different thresholds in every job, every industry. So it's silly to think that you know. Well, if I do one thing in my job, then every in sports, you know, like you know, every assistant coach who, whatever, you know, um, push somebody in an elevator or talk dirty to them, like there's a zero tolerance policy policy for this, you know, and it it varies everywhere. So you can't you can't do that. It's it's nice to think that it's nice to think that oh well, I would have been fired, you know, if I punched somebody you know but it's like look man that's just really being naive on a whole different level yeah and it's not it's just the nature of sports too especially sports that involves a serious physicality and basketball does not quite like football but it does it, it, the idea of competition and that we want we want and part of coaching we want we want people right up next to the edge feeling as much uh, not rage but adrenaline and sort of, you know, oomph and competitive spirit as possible without becoming a sociopath. We want them right up next to it and preparing your body for pain and all that sort of thing. And then it just spills over sometimes. If if Jawan Howard and Greg Gard and Joe Krabenhoff were at, I don't know, Big Ten media days where there are no games, right? And they're hanging out in Indianapolis and they're in a hotel lobby and Howard takes a swing then he's probably in jail, right? But if he does it in the larger, in the context of that competitive atmosphere, then we, then you know, he's going to get suspended. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how I look. And I, I'm with you. Silly is the right word. And all these folks that say, well, if he's done it at my work, you know, well, okay, fine. But that's not your work. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a completely different atmosphere. And, and you're right. You know, I mean, it, it's bred into them. It's bred into every athlete and coach to be competitive. And but I do think that's one one reason that you know we think of coaches like John Wooden much differently than coaches like Bobby Knight, you know? I mean, the the coaches who set a high standard and high example for their players and for themselves are remembered differently in history than than coaches who were kind of out of control and abused their players and, you know, were, were difficult with, uh, you know, with other teams and coaches. So um, who do you want to be, you know? And there, there there's that line, and I think 
like, you know, my wife's not much of a sports person, um, but sometimes she looks at some of the ways that I hate to say it, but especially college basketball coaches and the way they act. And she's like, what's going on? Why are they so upset? I mean, they are just ranting and raving. And I mean, even someone like Coach K, who's generally sedate, can he's oh he's no he's angry it. yeah he gets angry he gets yeah. angry and, and Izzo gets angry and you know and it's just like what is this outsized rage that these you know oh, we're down by four to Purdue that's why you know like I it's 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 hard to explain to somebody like you know sometimes if you if you don't know some if you know somebody who who don't know somebody who's into not into sports and you suddenly are forced to watch a game with them that you're familiar with and it seems very normal activity and they're like, why is this going on? You know, it's kind of hard to explain that, that we want them, that it's in them and ingrained in them and they're very competitive. But yeah, but why are they screaming and their face is going to like just burst? You know, um, sometimes it's it's normalized behavior. But uh, but yeah, it's not apples and oranges. I mean, they're like, you don't generally, you know, unless you're a podcast producer, you don't really get that much that rage induced. So uh you know, you and I are calm-headed, level-headed uh, reporters, Sean. So it's uh, it's a little bit different. I've lost my cool before a little bit. It's just you know, we all have. I was ashamed, embarrassed, and apologized immediately after the game to the ref. In any case, Carlos, um, yeah, we we could spend a whole other podcast talking about all the the different parts of this the, and how it relates to so much of what we're living through, so much of how our societies is. Uh, put together right now and just kind of the things we're trying to navigate and figure out um it was uh, unfortunate but some of the discussion around it has been has been pretty good and uh, hopefully um you know pretty helpful and i would bet you anything coach howard will will not do this again that'd be my guess i would i would strongly back you up on that and uh it was a good conversation sean and we need we need to have more of these we do, we do. Um, I know you wanted to mention. Can you, you just, and I hate to say this, but uh, can you can you just kind of mention, uh, you know, not too briefly. I mean, if you want to take an hour, that's fine. But just just what happened with uh, you know your thoughts on what happened out at uh, Oakland Oakland Hills Country Club and and the fire. Actually, I'm interested in your thoughts because I'll 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 give a quick little rundown. I think everybody knows the news by now, but. Uh, but I want to I want to get your thoughts as a somewhat of a golf fan. You know, I know you've been out there before. We've covered tournaments out there before. But but, you know, being a golf fan myself, what what that place, what, you know, means to me as a as a golf fan in Michigan, um, I want to see what kind of it what it means to other people. Um, not so probably like wrapped up into the sport as I am. But anyway, so last Thursday, uh, there was a, a fire that. Um, we understand started in the attic at the clubhouse at Oakland Hills out in Bloomfield Township. Um, the clubhouse was going to turn 100 years old in August. Um, so it's an iconic clubhouse. The The back porch looks it's a copy sort of of George Washington's Mount Vernon home. Tall pillars, two stories, just as beautiful. If you're a golf fan, you recognize the, the clubhouse. Um, and so the whole thing pretty much has burned down. It hasn't been officially stated but uh the free press has reported talking to fire officials that it's pretty much a total loss and now they're gonna you know we talked to the club president uh on monday this week and after the board met 
a couple days after the fire, they decided to rebuild the clubhouse as a replica of what it was before. And it was a grand structure, over 90,000 square feet, um, two stories plus a basement, just a a massive, massive structure. So it's going to be a huge undertaking. It'll take at least a couple of years to, to finish. Um, and the big thing is that they're pursuing a U.S. Open. Uh, they could get one as early as 2028. And um, they're saying that it's, it shouldn't affect that that goal of, of trying to land a, a U.S. Open. Um, they already have two U.S. Women's Opens that they've uh, been awarded way in the future, 2031 and 42. Um, so they're, they're, they're working through it, um, trying to get through it. But it was just, if you're a golf fan, I think it was a sad day um, because you've either been out to tournaments there. They have lots of different tournaments, some amateur, high-end amateur tournaments. They've had, you know, uh, major after major, 17 majors in the history of the club, six U.S. Opens. They have had the Ryder Cup and the PGA Championship in the last uh, 15 years or so. So, uh, but you're, from your perspective, Sean, what does that clubhouse meant to you? What do you, what do you think it's, it, it means to golf fans? And what are you going to, will you miss it? Do you care? Is it just a golf thing? Yeah. You don't want to hear my take on that. It's, I do. Uh, probably gonna, it's probably going to get me in, in trouble. I, I'm sure there are go- golf fans that were really sad to see it go. And obviously people that play it and, um, and maybe people that have never even been there or maybe people that have never played it, but just been there for a tournament. But I, so I separate out, I, I, it's partly the way I grew up, Carlos, uh, the working class mom um, with a chip on her shoulder who actually liked golf and played little mini courses and so forth. But I, I struggle with clubhouses in general, just the idea of them and my associations with them. And the, I, I, I separate them out from the courses, all right, because of the, the idea of exclusivity. And I know there we've come a long way with some of that, but even now it's just financially exclusive. And it just goes against – kind of who I am a little bit right and there's a and I want to stereotype I don't want to paint with a broad brush with everybody involves a clubhouse I was sorry to see anything burn from that perspective but I had no attachment to that clubhouse at all I think it's it's a it's a beautiful course and I think it's great that as somebody that enjoys golf from time to time watching it that we get those tournaments but I have a deep-seated emotional reaction to the idea of a clubhouse and very, very negative associations with it. And I don't want to lay that on. That's not Oakland Hills' fault at all. And I'm glad nobody was hurt. That, that's the main thing. And it's, it's really, really sad that, uh, that that building burned like that. But as you said, they're going to build a replica of it, and they'll be okay. And nobody was hurt. And the golf course itself, which is, to me, the main part, where you actually go out and play where those tournaments are, is 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 more or less intact, I would imagine. So... That that's my two quick uh, cents. I think that's really valid, you know, and and I I did hear um, get some reaction from readers about this is oh this is just a bunch of you know rich entitled people and you know they're they exclude people and they don't they only have the people in their who they want and their members and all this stuff. Um, yeah, there there is there is that idea sometimes of elitism. Um, I think what one thing, and I don't know how much, I don't think you probably spent much time in the clubhouse as far as going to no, press conferences no. and different things. And um, No, they were intense. Intense, yeah. Next um, to the clubhouse, yeah. The media centers. And so one thing with the that's important, I think, a little bit about the clubhouse is you have to, you know, trying to remember the human aspect of it. And, you know, people have gotten married there. Um you know, people work there. In fact, there's a fund that was set up for the employees who work there who are not going to have jobs for a while. Um, John Wisely, one of our reporters, wrote a really nice column 
um, I believe it was the day of the fire. I saw that. That was good. Yeah, it was his first job when he was 11 years old there, and his dad had worked there for I think 43 years. He ended up working. So it's it's been a it's there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, continuity among not only you know the membership but also the staff and the people who work there and get their first jobs, their last jobs. I'm all the, for the staff. You I'm know, all for the staff. Yeah. yeah. The memories, you know, even, you know, the guests who are not necessarily members, but go there for different events who are invited. And um, so there are things wrapped up and beyond just, you know, these are snobby people and judge smales or whatever, you know. Um, and I have to say, from my experience, and I've been to a lot of different private clubs, I never had that feeling at Oakland Hills. That was my experience. And I was there not only as a working member of the media, but also I've been there on social no, trust, occasions. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I, it's not reasonable. It's not yeah. rational on my part. No, no, no. All. But I, but I totally, it's valid. I mean, I totally, you know, I, like I said, people chimed in and said, you know, I, I have problems with clubhouses and private, private clubs and all these different things. So, so that is valid. And I, I'm, I appreciate that perspective. So, um, you know, it's I'm like gated, gated communities. It's the same kind of sure. thing. It's just anything, anything that separates us out. You know, I'm not saying everybody should have a right to go buy a million dollar house. Obviously, yeah. no, that's not how our system works. And I, I'm not a communist. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, once, once, <laughs> despite what, despite what you think, or sometimes some readers think, but no, no, no. In, in any case, look, man, we, we promised dad, we were going to get under an hour and I, I think we're right there just about. So can I just, we got to do our favorite thing real quick. I just want to say it to take me 10 seconds. My favorite thing was the chat having the challenge and a reminder of writing. And it was not, would not wish what happened in Wisconsin to happen. Obviously, it was sad and uh, and it's not fun, but but part of, sometimes our job is to have to sift through and figure out what to say and make sense of uh, you know maybe make sense of it was a little overly really dramatic, but just have something to say and be fair and be thoughtful and um, you know we don't not everything we write a lot of times we're writing a game column or, or, or whatever right about a coach or a player, so the challenge of writing about what unfolded in Wisconsin. Um, it's a reminder of you know the part of the job that's difficult, but also uh, can be fulfilling in a way if you figure out something to say that you think is at least reasonably fair and and thoughtful. And that's kind of how I felt. So that was my favorite thing. Let me ask you one thing about your favorite thing was so you said you were watching the game live. So um, I'm assuming you're watching the game live and you're rereading your column about Izzo and clicking on it to give yourself more likes and clicks, but. But at what second, nanosecond, did you realize when that happened, like I'm writing and like when, how, how long did it take before you realized I have to write something on Sunday night? Oh, you mean it scrapped the whole game in the NCAA? And everything? Well, I was already, I was already forming, putting a column together off the Michigan-Wisconsin game because I hadn't written about Michigan as much in relation to the NCAA and their chances to get in a tournament. So I was, that's what I was working on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would, I would, so I had to watch the game as part of that. So I was, you know, so I knew. I mean, I was working Sunday, and that was part of the deal. I just had to switch. Um, I realized that I was going to write about that when he took the swing, because even when he and guard got into it, you know, I've occasionally seen coaches kind of fuss at each other a little bit or have a two second handshake or whatever. That was a little bit more because of the way guard, because of the way they kind of grabbed each other. But even then, I thought. Mm, that's not a column. It wasn't until 10 seconds later when he took the swing. That's when I realized, okay, this is all I'm writing about. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, as a journalist, I think we, we, I think of things differently. Like when I, when I see something like that, I think 
it's almost like the firehouse alarm has gone off. Like, all right, who's going to go down that little pole? It's going to be Sean. Is Kirkland working? How about Tyler, Andrew, maybe Marlo? Is, is the new side going to do anything? Like, I start thinking of all the logistical things that are like, oh, man, they're going to how long before they put something on the front of the website and all the different things. And uh, so that's the journalist in me that I always I, I think in those terms. But, um, yeah, I knew. I figured Sean's either watching this live or he's having fried chicken that I'm not getting and and he has to put <laughs> it down and he's got to write something. So, yeah, no, I was on the books to write off that game. Isn't that fun? Oh, wow. I did. Yeah, I didn't know that. OK. Yeah. OK. So what was your favorite thing? We're 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 really ruining Ted's day. Here, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully he can cut out some of the, you know, ridiculousness that we talked about earlier and trim it up. Poor Tad. Uh, yeah, mine is short. Uh, and, I, and I hate, I'm not rubbing this. I'm not rubbing this in anybody's face, Sean. All you Michiganders. But uh, this week, I get some well-deserved vacation time. And I go to go down to North says Carolina. Uh, mostly me. I mean, well, Mick McCabe says I've worked what, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part-time yeah, yeah. for a few weeks. So it's so, so you're going to Carolina, North Carolina. Going down, down to North Carolina to see my family, play some tennis with my sister, and get away, mostly get away from the stupid gloom. I'm so tired. We have had a little bit of sun, but it's either been cold or rainy or and mostly gray. And today, as we record this, it's very, very, very gray and rainy. It's one of the ugliest days we've had in a long time. And I'm just tired of the stupid winter blues. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for some sun. I'm ready for and and I, and not to go back to the Oakland Hills thing too much, but it made me think a little bit about golf. And it's like, boy, it seems like it's going to be three years before I can play golf again. And I don't really play that much golf anymore. But just even the hope of playing golf, I think, is sometimes uplifting. Um, so going somewhere where maybe I can hit a tennis ball uh, and it's not going to end up in a little snowball or whatever a puddle would be is a nice thought. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, that sounds great. You can be your true self and go play golf and tennis and uh, <laughs> get get back to your roots. I think that, hey, get some get some sunshine. I, I play golf and tennis. Tad wears Carhartt. Oh my God! You've just you you're just trying to label us and put us in boxes all no, the time. No, not at all. I'm just having fun. Of course, you want the sun. That sounds uh, that sounds lovely. I'd, <laughs> I'd like I'd like some sun myself. Well, listen, Carlos. Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure to, to join you here or to be, yeah, yeah to join you because you're the man. You're, you're the one, right? I'm joining you. You're yes, not joining yes, me. Yes, of course. Yeah. We got we to get the semantics right there. But uh, in any case, a pleasure is always my man. Um, we want to thank, well, Tad. Can we thank Tad again? Of we've, course. We've, we've, we've talked about he's, it. Okay, he's, thank- he's the Anjanetta of the week, man. He's gotten like he 10 is, comments. He is. He is. I know. I, I don't know if we've mentioned Anjanetta. Maybe we have. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ajanette. No, we want to thank Ted Davis, the producer of this show, makes this possible. We want to thank Ajanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford, the co-executive producers. How about that? And we want to thank Peter Bati, the editor of the Free Press. He's the one that uh, makes all this possible, obviously. Look, if you if you enjoy the show, if you like the show, uh, rate us, uh, subscribe. You can find us wherever you'd like. Well, maybe not wherever you'd like, but you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. How about that? Spotify, Apple. And once you get there, you know, leave a comment. Uh, tell Carlos how great he is. It'll make him feel better. He'll enjoy his vacation a little bit more. Again, thanks for uh, spending some time with us this week. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Tad. We will see you next week. <laughs>